Welcome to Cane and Bound Podcast, Episode 17. I'm Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church in Baxter, Minnesota. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. We begin with Moment with the Master by Pastor Aaron Nitz. The word of our Lord that we're focusing on today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, verse 2, and it reads, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Do you like to sing? When do you like to sing? There are times in our lives when we just can't help singing, aren't there? Maybe it's driving along in your car and hearing your favorite song come on. Maybe it's after hearing some good news and you just feel like celebrating. But there are also times when it can be very difficult to sing, right? Like when you're feeling lousy or disappointed or hear some bad news? Well, really, none of us should have any reason to sing any time. With our sins, we've angered and upset the only perfect and holy God. God has every right to demand that you and I pay for our sins by suffering eternally. But wonder upon wonders, God doesn't deal with us as we deserve. Instead, he poured out his full wrath his full anger and his full punishment for all your sins and my sins and the sins of the world upon his one and only Son, Jesus, who paid for them in full with his suffering and death. Your debt is paid. Your sins are forgiven. And since that's the truth, you have every reason to sing this song today, tomorrow, and always. The Lord is my strength, my song, and my salvation. Well, I'm singing in my heart to God, and, and so so are you. May the Lord richly bless your day in Him. For Canaanbound devotion today, we read from Genesis 13, verses 14 to 18. Like the dust of the earth. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are, and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see... I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre near Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Abram had just given up a very fertile part of the land, so that Lot could enjoy it. He didn't want them to argue and quarrel, so he took the other road and parted with his nephew. But God gives us reminders of his promises just when we need them the most. The Lord tells Abram to scout out the land once more. You see it all, Abram? He says, look, it's all going to be yours and your offsprings. Now God literally fulfilled this promise. The number of the children of Israel had grown to about two million by the time they left Egypt. And they left Egypt because of this very promise. They took possession of the land. God promised. God fulfilled. But this promise extends far beyond what Abram could now see or understand. His offspring would be countless as the dust, as one by one God would not only give him physical descendants, but as he called the countries to this day to call people to faith. And he continues to call people to faith. Abram is the father of us all through faith. 
Like him, we have the great and gracious promise from God. Like him, we receive these promises as we trust in him. Notice God says, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Abram died, not only more than a single piece of this land. What about God's promise? He had promised so much more. Someone might say, Oh, but that was a trick. Why did he tell Abram this and not give it to him? Or we might note that God really did make Abram's offspring like the dust of the earth. They all died. From Abram himself, to David's, to the first century, to Paul, to Abram's children, all have died and have returned to the dust. But this is not God's promise. God's promise will be fulfilled. Abram believed in the resurrection of the dead. Abram knew that God would give the promised blessing according to his own time. Abram didn't have to know when and how. He just trusted the promise. Our Lord is the God of the living, not the dead. Abram would enjoy the promised inheritance. God would carry out every promise made for him. And when he brings up all believers from the sleep of death and the dust, his promise will reach its fullest fulfillments. As he will form a new heaven and a new earth, we will forever be with him, and our inheritance will never spoil, never perish or fade. We will never go back to the dust, and the kingdom of our God will endure forever. This is the real and final fulfillment of God's promise. And he does this for everyone who, like Abram, believes the promises of God. Everyone who is countless like the dust of the earth. Everyone who sleeps in the dust of the earth and who sleeps in Christ. How do we know this is true? All scripture centers on Jesus Christ, including Abram and the promise made to Abram, including every promise made to you. Jesus gives eternal rest from which not even death can hinder. Up next we have the Easter hymn, This Joyful Easter Tide, performed by Koine. This joyful Easter tide, away with sin and sorrow. My love, the crucified, has sprung to life this morrow. Had Christ who once was slain not burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain. But now is Christ the risen, the risen, the risen. But now is Christ the risen. Death's blood has lost its chill since Jesus crossed the Seasons love 
Pilgrim from east to west shall wake the dead in number. Had Christ who once was slain not burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain. But now is Christ arisen, arisen, arisen. But now is Christ arisen. Next is God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 4, verses 12 to 21. Here we come to one of the most, well, difficult passages, not only in Job, but probably in the entire Bible. It's Eliphaz still speaking. He says, A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it. Amid disquieting dreams in the night, when deep sleep falls on men, Fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. What Eliphaz is describing is a prophetic vision, something that he says came to him in a dream. God spoke to Abraham this way in Genesis 15, as well as to Jacob in Genesis 28 and 31. God spoke this way to Samuel in 1 Samuel 5 and to Daniel in Daniel 2 and many others. Sometimes men who were not believers were given visions in dreams when it served God's purpose such as King Abimelech in Genesis 20 and Balaam the prophet in Numbers 24. Is this the kind of vision that Eliphaz had? Whatever it was, it's not the kind of revelation God tells us he uses today. For us, there is no whispering voice or buzzing in our ears. God speaks to us through his word, and it is the privilege of wisdom to listen to what he says there. Verses 15 and 16. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair of my body stood on end. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. As Eliphaz describes his dream, he makes it sound vivid and real, but what kind of spirit visited him? Paul described the work of Satan as being displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and then every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, he said that in Second Thessalonians 2. If Eliphaz did indeed have a vision, it may well have been the work of Satan, whose hand we have already seen at work in this book of Job. Certainly the visitation of good angels never produced the kind of sensations that Eliphaz described here. A godly angel might make a man cry out because of his sins or fall down in mistaken worship, but it would not make the hair stand up on the back of his neck. Neither would it disguise itself. Remember he said, I could not tell what it was. It may well have been a spirit, but it was not a spirit from God. And its words only confirm this. Verses 17 uh, to 20, or to, let's go to 21. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If God places no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay? whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth. Between dawn and dusk they are broken to pieces, unnoticed they perish forever. Are not the cords of their tent pulled up so that they die without wisdom? These are not the words of an angel bringing comfort to a man, nor are they even the words of an angel of the Lord proclaiming man's sin, since they are so veiled and obscure. The slither and the hiss behind these words is unmistakable. Either Eliphaz is lying to puff up his own importance, or else 
The devil has twisted the truth into his confusing argument. Either way, the words are not godly, but satanic. How would a godly man answer these accusations? Well, let's let a godly man speak. Of course, a mortal cannot be righteous before God or more pure than his maker. The only angels God charged with error were the devil and those angels who were deceived by him and are now condemned along with him. But mankind does not perish forever when we rely on our Savior Jesus. Although Eliphaz warns that sinful men will have the cords of their tent pulled up, we know that our sins are forgiven and that those who believe in Christ are a tent that will not be moved. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes broken. Through Jesus, we have confidence, comfort, and hope. Let's listen to Martin Luther. Observe a Christian and compare him with people who don't believe. The latter live in a world of pleasure. They have and they do what they please, and when they have lived their lives, they, they, they perish forever without any regard regarding it, as Job 4.20 says. They never experience what real suffering or sadness, misery, grief are. In contrast to them, we who want to be Christians endure all kinds of troubles and misfortunes so that people despise and vilify, revile and slander us. The world is so hostile to us, it begrudges us our very life on earth. Daily we must be prepared for the worst that the devil and the world can inflict on us. In the face of this, who would be stupid enough to be a Christian if there were nothing to a future life? Who would not say, I too want to have good times and revel as those people do? What with, with, with what wrongdoing do I charge myself that I let myself be tormented so and endure such sorrow, spite, hatred, and envy from the world? In addition to this, a Christian must suffer so much inward grief and heartache, such fear and terror of death, of sin, and of God's wrath. These are real blows indeed. That's Martin Luther from Luther's Works, Volume 28. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. We'll close with one more hymn. This one is called, The King of Love, My Shepherd Is, performed by Koine. Shoulder gently 
You've been listening to episode 17 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This episode was first shared in April of 2013. We'd like to thank Koine for sharing their music with us. Koine Music can be found at koinemusic.com. Once again, my name is Tom Barthel. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. Canaan Bound Podcast gladly supports the ministry of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells. Please visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry near you. Visit canaanboundpodcast.com for more information on how you can subscribe to our feed and find resources and links to various artists. Thanks for listening.